first talk was just God, God being three persons in one, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all God. And then we talked about uh, the beauty of God the Father being all creator, eternal. And then I tried to give a little bit of an example of what, what it might look like when you have uh, uh, some earthly illustrations of things that help you wrap your mind around the Trinity, right? I tried to use the, 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 the example of an R&B group. You know what I'm saying? One of your favorites might have been uh, The Temptations. Oh, see? Well, hey. <laughs> um, might have been uh, one of these other groups, but what happens is the group is a unified entity, but at different times, one person comes to the front and is at the forefront. And so what we did last week was talk about God the Father at the forefront and how Jesus and God the Father work together. This week we'll be talking about Jesus a bit more at the forefront and how the Holy Spirit and Jesus work together. So would you pray with me as we dive in? Lord, we are thankful that we get a chance to be reminded of your scriptures. We want to be a people that uh, thrive in you. And we want to allow your word to encourage us. Help us, Father, that we might know you better and be able to live for you more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I've, uh, I've come to learn a lot about God through my beautiful wife. And actually through the examples that a lot of women uh, show us as they nurture and as they care for young ones. And one of the things I've seen is the beauty and the investment in getting a kid to learn how to walk. Kid goes from just simply being held in the arms to trying to use that little baby crawl, you know what I'm saying, to, to scoot. And then at some point, the mom takes the baby and will have him stand, giving, giving the little kid some support, giving the little kid some structure, helping them to be able to just get their, their balance, get their, get their bearings, help the kid be able to stand. But that's not where it stops, right? Like a, a mother that wants to teach their child how to walk doesn't simply get them to stand. They then begin to Take those two little fingers, put them in front of them, walk slowly and guide them. And, and that's a beautiful example of how, the, how Jesus and the Holy Spirit work together. You see, Jesus is going to do something amazing. He's going to set us up to be able to have a firm foundation by which we can stand. It's going to put us in a place by which we can have a firm foundation. And then the Holy Spirit is the one that walks with us and guides us. And we're going to see from scriptures today how those two things work in tandem to allow the Christian believer to have a firm foundation in their faith. Turn with me to John chapter 14, verse 16. John chapter 14 verse 16. And for those of our family, we have Bibles in the pews, but we also keep the scriptures up here on the slides. So we hope that you'll be able to uh, dive into both. I try to repeat it three or four times. 
John chapter 14, verse 16. And he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Jesus says these quick words, ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Another helper, another one like me, someone um, that's as powerful, someone that has, is as caring, someone that will be like me, a helper like me. So you got to ask yourself, what help does Jesus give? Because if he's talking to them and he's saying, I'm going to send someone else like me to help you, then how did Jesus help us? Because we're to be looking for this person that's going to be coming just like him. And if he's going to be as effective as you are, Jesus, we need to know what it is that Jesus has helped us with. We know that the Father has created all things. He's set things in motion. He is the eternal one who lays out the kingdom plan. And it is God the Father who says, my kingdom I set in order. Sin has disrupted it, but I'm going to get my kingdom back. Everything's going to be back in order. But then this seems to say that humanity needed some help. That there must have been some type of issue that went down where we as people needed help. And Jesus came and brought that help. And he's also going to send us another person who is a helper. So let's pause and say, Jesus, how did you help us? And the answer can be it. Scholars, pastors, people all over has used these, three, used these three terms to be able to describe who Jesus is and how he helps us. They say that he is a priest, prophet, and king. You want to know how he helps us? He helps us as a priest, prophet, and king. Now, I'm going to say myself, um, I could have probably done a sermon series that was about 59 sermons long on Jesus alone. Every time I sat down and said, okay, Lord, how do I try to capture in one sitting who you are? It's like, but don't forget this part, and don't forget this part, and don't forget, and I can have a scroll that runs down Mac to try to describe all of who Jesus is. And so our prayer, though, is that you would get the foundational aspects of who Jesus is, that would springboard you into knowing more about him. And some of the foundational aspects are Jesus is a prophet. What's a prophet? A prophet is a person that takes what God says and communicates it to everybody else. Prophets operate in two functions in the Bible. They hear what God says, and then they share that with other people. Y'all done heard the phrase before. Don't shoot the messenger. You didn't heard the phrase before. Maybe, maybe, maybe you heard and laughed until you, until you was the messenger. Come on now. There's been some times where you had to tell people a message that wasn't necessarily yours, but you knew you was going to feel some tension for it. You see, the prophet does not get to choose the environment that they get to flourish in. I'm only going to say the good stuff that God says. I'm only going to say the stuff that everyone likes. No, a prophet says, thus saith the Lord. 
And when that happens, the goal is to bring people towards repentance. And so prophets aren't always liked. But what happens with prophets are they build in us trust. Because, see, a prophet, while they are listening to God and hearing what God says and they're telling everyone else, prophets also, from God, get visions of what God wants in the future. Of what God is hoping your good would be, of what God is trusting will happen for you. So a prophet either was celebrated because, man, every time he said something, it happened. Every time he did something, it happened. Every time, or he lied. And we got to stone them. It was, it was one or the other. There was no in-between with prophets. And so what Jesus does in being a prophet is he says, I'm going to build your trust. How many prophetic things happen where you will feel like you can trust me with your life? Five? Do I need to say five things that will happen in the future and you'll feel like, okay, he's worth trusting? Do I need to say 10 things? What, what would it be? 20? The Old Testament scholars have pulled up like 600 things that are prophecies that end up being fulfilled in Christ. Is that reason enough to trust? You see, Jesus is saying, I'm a prophet. I, I know what's coming. Trust me. I have insight into the heart of the Father. I know the kingdom that he wants to establish. And I'm going to tell you what it is he wants for you. Will you trust it? Will you trust me? And so Jesus is a, he's a prophet. And we need prophets in our life because we need help to re-steer us back to God's desire. Back to God's design. You and I know when drama go down, you got that one friend you call that'll agree with everything you said. What'd they do to you, girl? They was wrong for that. You, they, they tried to fire you? I know you've been late 40 days in a row, but I'm saying no. How they gonna treat you like that, girl? I know you punched her in the eye, but why they wanna fight you? You know, you know, but see, the prophetic voice actually says, uh-uh. What would God say? What does God want? What are his standards? What is his design? What is his desire for you? Are you in line with that? You see, Jesus prophetically is speaking and wants us to constantly be saying, the standard is not one another, it is God. And are we being recentered towards that? Jesus is a prophet. But Jesus is also a priest. Look with me in John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Pretty popular verses. John chapter 3. Verse 16, I'll probably just do 16 and 17. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In order that the world might be saved through him. God did this in order that the world might be saved through his son. So if you ask the question, man, Jesus is sending a helper. How did he help us? He helped you by being a prophetic voice in your life. He also helped by saving you. And, and, the, and the idea of salvation comes simply from this, that God has set things in a perfect, beautiful order and stood back and said, I'm a cold boy. Look at this world. Look at those mountains. Look at those seas. Look at the way that all of these things are in balance with one another, where this animal eats that animal and it feeds that animal and it does that with the that, with the that, that. God sat back like, look at how I did. And then we said, Lord, you created us in your image. We shall reflect your image. We are going to do the things that you do. You gave us orders. Our orders are to care for this beautiful creation that you've made, but we think we know how to do it better. We actually think that there's some aspects of maybe we could do it a little bit better than you. And so instead of imaging you, we began to do it ourselves. And that's where sin creeps into the experience of humanity and breaks the relationship between man and God. And now we got a problem because now we need help. Because as long as you are in a broken relationship, it affects everything. Everything. Single people, y'all know this. You get into a heated time with your parents and you still need a ride from them when you was in high school, you know that car ride sucked. You know eating dinner together feels weird. You know married people. You've had that friction. That issue is not yet resolved. That drama is still there. But you scheduled the trip already. We already put the deposit down. You see, friction messes up everything. And God says now that this sin has entered into this world, it has affected everything. And the only way that things can get back in order, the only way that the harmony can come back together is through a Savior. And we needed help because we could not save ourselves. We needed help because even though God said, I'm going to give y'all some ways to get close to me, I'm going to give y'all the law, we couldn't measure up. So we tried to live out the laws and we tried to do things right, but the number got too big and before we knew it, we was at 599 on, on the laws and we didn't know what we, and we couldn't live up to the law. And even if we could, even if you could do every law that God laid out in the Old Testament perfectly, there's still this issue of us needing to have something that pays for sin. Our perfection 
does not pay for sin. And God says, there's been a sin that's broken this relationship. And what's going to reunite me is someone taking, someone giving of their life, someone being sacrificed. And the priest would be the one that would bring the sacrifice before God and say, God, humbly, would you forgive your people? I know what he did. I know what she did. But God, would you humbly forgive your people? But it's even worse than that. We're about to watch football on, um, in, in, in a few hours. And uh, you can have on the football team, I think, uh, my, bo- my boy's going to help me out, Ken, get my back. Uh, you can have a maximum of, of 11 people on the field at once. And so in football, there comes a time when you, you kick the ball off to the other team. And there's one guy who's standing back to catch the football. So imagine, if you will, for a minute, that the one guy who has his other 10 people there to protect him, those 10 people leave. Just him and the ball and 11 of the biggest, fastest, probably angriest men you can imagine all barreling straight for him. Coming full speed, straight for him, nobody to protect him, and just before he catches the ball, time out. And Jesus steps in and says, I got you. Sit down. I'm going to take this hit for you. Play. You see, that, that, that doesn't even pale in comparison to the substitute that God did for us. Death is something that appeased God because sin had broken his heart so much. And each time the priest would come before God, he would kill an animal and say, this animal, let its pain not let the, let the people not experience the pain, but let this animal experience the pain. And God would say, all right, for now. Okay, for now. But you're going to have to come back again. You're going to have to come back again. You're going to have to come back again. And what happens is Jesus steps in and says, no. I'm going to stand in your place once and for all. I'm going to take the pain that you should have received. I'm going to take Satan and all of his attacks on you, and I will stand in your place. You see, Jesus is a prophet because he wants us to walk in the way that God would have us walk, live in the way that God would have us live. He wants to communicate that you can trust me. I've demonstrated it over and over and over, but I also serve as a priest who stands in the gap for you when you couldn't save yourself. So Jesus is a prophet. Jesus is a priest. Continuing to provide us with understanding of his love for us. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 55 through 57, and they'll be up here, it says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's your priest, because he is a priest, 
We have become victorious. We now have the opportunity to delight in his ways. We needed help to be realigned with who God is, and we needed help in order to be saved. Lastly, as far as understanding Jesus, we come to to realize his kingdom function. Y'all know every every time we, uh, I know I got on the corduroy, y'all, but I'm feeling warm. Is it me? It's me? Cool. All right. Um, (laughs) Amen. Um, There comes a time, every every time that I try to preach with the kids here, I, I ask you kids a question. So kids, and you guys can actually answer this time. Who has more power in a, in, a, in a village, a king or a farmer? King. Who has more power in a village, a, a, a king or a shepherd? All right. Who has more power in a village, a king or a guard? <laughs> Give me a hit me with that Sunday school answer. Go ahead, boy. <laughs> Yes, and so if the king is the one who has all the power, the king is the one who also sets all the rules, also is the one who can tell you whether you have access to the kingdom or whether you will be banished from the kingdom. Look with me in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, because Even though Jesus died on the cross and he conquered death on our behalf, the story would be kind of whack if the story of Jesus ended there. If Jesus just did some amazing miracles, preached some really cool sermons, prophesied over some stuff and it happened, and then he died, and that was it. Things would be, uh, he'd be just like every other false prophet. But the beauty of Jesus is that not only does he die, he conquers death and lives. So So there's a resurrection experience that happens that makes him king above any little suspect kings that claim to be God. Because none of them have conquered death and been risen. Look at what it says about the resurrection. And it says this because he, having been resurrected, now has the power to extend resurrection. I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? These are the words of Jesus. He's now saying, I've conquered death. You can now see me. My presence can be felt, my impact realized, and now guess what I want for you? I want you to conquer death too. I I want you to experience the resurrection as well. I want you to have new life in me. First Peter, he said, praise be to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Family, we don't we don't often like sit and do a Bible study just about like like 
there are some topics that, that are easy to jump into. Hey, let's do a, to- a, a prayer uh, um, Bible study about forgiveness. Easy. Let's do a Bible study about prayer. Easy. And, and these are all good things. Let's do a Bible study about um, uh, 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 multicultural and discussions about difference. Yeah. But the resurrection is probably, I'm going on a limb here, the most unique aspect of being a Christian. Because we don't claim that our God did some great things and now he's dead. We claim that our God did great things, conquered death, and is living. And that is so unique. But I would also say it's probably one of the less studied subjects. Crazy unique to who we are. Without it, you are not a Christian. But something that we have to grow in our understanding and our theology because it is key to understanding the kingdom. What, 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 what are we doing all this for? What are we doing all this for? You know, if, 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 it is, if it is not to be able to experience the fullness of his kingdom and that kingdom is heaven smashing into earth, then what are we doing? What are we doing? It's not, there hasn't been a day when I stepped on the hoop court and I wasn't trying to win. So what are we doing as believers? Are we, are we fighting for the day when his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven? If so, then we're living out the resurrection. We're living out the new life that he wants us to be able to experience now and someday experience fully when he returns. It's beautiful. And I ain't mad. I ain't Saudi. I'm just trying to encourage us to say, hey, I got a library of areas that God wants to grow me in. And how am I doing in my understanding of the resurrection? How am I doing? And so God wants us to understand that we needed help. We needed help from Jesus. Jesus was our helper. He was a, a prophet. Jesus was a priest. Jesus was our king. But there's an intimate connection that Jesus has with the Holy Spirit because all of those things are true, but they're like, like, like glasses that you can't see through without the working of the Holy Spirit. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. I know I got y'all flipping a lot today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Because Jesus says, I, I'm, I'm, I have helped. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So one of the things this other helper does is 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. What's that saying? That's saying, man, that Jesus is beautiful. All of who he is, his his priestly role, his kingdom role, his prophetic role is all beautiful. But guess what? You can't even see it unless the Holy Spirit does a little tap on your heart. You can't even you can't even grasp it unless the Holy Spirit helps awaken that to you. You won't even say he's Lord. Lord. He might be nice, 
good teacher. Healer. Lord, the spirit has to do a work in us. And so we see this, this tandem connection between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And, he, and it's described. And so Jesus says, I'm going to send you a helper. I established you. I got you set. I built you a foundation. You're now ready to walk. But I'm going to give you one that's going to be with you each step of the way. Look at me. Look, look at me. Look with me in Romans chapter 10. Oh, no, excuse me. Did I jump too quick? I did. Look with me to uh, John 16. Because Jesus and the Bible reveals that the Holy Spirit is a teacher, is a power, and is a comforter. A teacher, power, and comforter. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you things that are to come. He will guide you in all truth. You, uh, you ever like play a video game and it's, it's like, see, y'all too young. Because I, I, I grew up with an Atari and an Atari the car stayed still, but the, but the board kept going past you like this. It, 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 yeah, see, y'all too young. But what happens is you got these rails, and you're just trying to keep your car in the middle, and the rails keep moving, and you're trying to keep your car centered. See, see the Holy Spirit is trying to have you understand that God's got some rails in life. He wants you to abide by his word, and you are not wise enough to choose what's best for you. We're not intellectually uh, savvy enough to know today and tomorrow. And so the Holy Spirit is trying to guide you into God's word and God's truth and keep it relevant on your heart. And so the Holy Spirit is working in tandem with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm a prophet. I'm a priest, I'm a king, and the Holy Spirit is like, cool, well, I'm going to keep teaching them about you. I'm going to keep making sure they understand you, Jesus. I'm going to keep making sure that when they need to reset their lives, they're saying, oh, what would Jesus do? I, um, yeah, they're saying, what would Jesus do? And so the Holy Spirit is a teacher. The Holy Spirit is also powerful. Look with me in Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. And I know we 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 jumping around a lot today, y'all. And I'm about to bring it to a close. But I want to make sure we get a good picture of Jesus from multiple angles and the Holy Spirit from multiple angles. The Holy Spirit is powerful. Because of of, of everything, whenever I talk to people who don't love Christians and don't love Jesus, one of the people don't usually doubt like the miraculous stuff. They might not like our exclusivity of Jesus. You're saying he's the only way? They may not like, you know, how we're portrayed in the media of being like accepting of everything or not accepting of anything. Like, there's all, but whenever I talk to people, they'd be like, man, but like, you know, walking on water, that was pretty cool though. You know, like people are down with the miracles. I want you to hear, 
about the power that the Holy Spirit brings forth. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28 says, but if it is by the spirit of God that I cast you out, demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Why would I list something that seems so, so weird? I'm trying to demonstrate that the power of the Holy Spirit reigns in a variety of ways. It reigns from showing us that the spirit is what raised Jesus from the dead. A power that is that is mighty to a power that actually is extended and experienced by people where, yep, I believe the Spirit's still working today. I believe people are still getting healed. I believe people are still having uh, certain visions and certain dreams. I believe that the Spirit is still moving in some mighty ways. I just don't believe you can charge a person for it and say it's going to happen at 3 o'clock. When, when, when that go down, you get, you get me up out of here. But the Holy Spirit moves in ways that is to validate who Jesus is. Every miracle that takes place in the Bible, in the New Testament, but Old Testament is pointing towards Christ. And the New Testament is to affirm Jesus is who he said he is. And the true power of Jesus and the true power of the Holy Spirit never rests upon men. It's simply a transfer. So God is the one who can cast out a demon. God is the one that can heal a person. God is the one that can raise a person from the dead. God is the one that can walk on water. God is the one. And God will sometimes break into our humanity and say, and I'm going to use you to demonstrate it. I'm going to use you to show them that I'm still real, that this Jesus is who he said he is, and you can trust in him. Lastly, God, Holy Spirit is a comforter. John chapter 15, verse 26. But when the helper comes, I'm sorry, John chapter 15, verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. But when the helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Bear witness about me. Holy Spirit is constantly trying to tell you about Jesus, trying to tell you about Jesus, bearing witness about Jesus. I, um, I've been blessed to have four kids, and uh, thank you all for praying for us for this fifth. Um, nope, um, we're adopting. Um, and um, Something happens with a kid when they begin to think about healing. One of my kids runs, they fall, all right, knee all scraped up. We go get a Band-Aid. First time a kid gets a Band-Aid, it's like something simple. From that point on, if a kid bites their tongue, they're like, let me get a Band-Aid. If they sneeze, they want a Band-Aid. If anything that happens, even remotely related to pain, the kid wants a Band-Aid. You see, there's this idea that that the Band-Aid is what brings the comfort. And what the Holy Spirit is trying to say in all of us is, I don't care the extent of the pain that you go through, I'm pointing you to Jesus. 
I want you to be connected to Jesus. Your pain is unique to you, what some people can't even imagine. They can't even fathom what you are going through. And the Holy Spirit is constantly saying, let me comfort you by bringing you to Jesus. That's his role. To comfort you and remind you of the one who died for you, the one who bled for you, but the one who continues to allow you to have a secure foundation and says, will you come to me? And the spirit is constantly saying, go to him, go to him, that he may love you, that he may nurture you, that he may care for you, that he may comfort you. That he may comfort you. I want to read this this last one. Um, Yeah, I want to read this last verse. If I can find it, because I might have moved it. Because you, you, you can know about Jesus. You can hear these words, and it cannot actually take root in your heart. Look with me at Matthew chapter 26, verses 22 through 25, and then we're going to be done for today. Matthew chapter 26, verse 22 through 25. This is a a situation where the disciples are meeting with Jesus and the drama is about to go down. You have you ever like, sorry, this this my like pre-Jesus days. Like you ever had somebody come to you and like your your friend is hurt and yet somebody else caused it, and the first thing you say is where they at? Like, you, they mess with my, my people, my family, where they at? Let me get them. Like, like, that's the situation that's about to go down. The disciples are talking with Jesus, and Jesus shares some information. This was what happened. It's in verse 22. And they were very sor- sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? Like, he's, he's basically telling them, hey, somebody's going to commit an atrocity against me. Somebody's about to cause some drama That's going to affect me. And now they're saying, wait, who is it? Is it I, Lord? Notice what they say in verse 22. Is it I who? Lord. Okay. Is it I, Lord? He answered, who has dipped his hand in the dish will be, uh, excuse me, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The son of man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man, if he had not been born, then Judas, who would portray him, answers and he says, it is I. No. Well, what name does he say? It is I. Rabbi or master. Lord and rabbi are two very different ways to describe God. Lord puts him in a place where he is king. Lord puts him in a place where he is the prophet. Lord puts him in a place where he is priest, and you acknowledge that he has died for your sins. Rabbi puts him in a place where he's above average. 
You see, the reason why we, we struggle is sometimes we don't put God in the right place and how we respond to him and what he desires of us. Are we keeping him at the highest level of Lord or does he get good teacher, good master, rabbi? You see, God would, loves to delight in us, but... We have to make a choice. We have to make a choice as to how we will respond to this beautiful God. Will we be kind of like the others in the room that are celebrating the lordship of God or like Judas? Judas is like subtle. You know, Judas, Judas is smooth because what basically happened in that room is Judas said, uh, is it me? And nobody in the room knew. Smooth. I mean, it's definitely prophetic things that's taking place, and we know that this treachery is going to lead towards Jesus' ultimate demise. But you would have thought that him saying something would have set off everyone. No, because slightly, slickly, stealthily not aligning with Christ, you can still blend in. And my fear is that we would be a people that are presented with the opportunity to say, no, he is Lord, but yet we just blend in and don't acknowledge him as such in our lives. Don't miss that opportunity. Don't miss that chance. Don't miss the chance to say, no, he is Lord, and Holy Spirit, keep bringing me to him so that I might be comforted. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your care. We thank you, Lord, for your salvation. We thank you, Lord, for your prophetic word. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that works in tandem with you to love and care for us and keep leading us back towards your ways, Jesus. Let us acknowledge you properly as Lord of our lives and not let us blend in. God, we pray that if today is someone's first opportunity to love you, that they would feel welcome to do so here. It's in Jesus' name we pray.